Section 21 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2 by Zhao Xunqin. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie. Chapter 35, Part 2. Dowager Lady Jia stepped into the room, leaning on Lady Feng's arm. She and Mrs. Che took their places, with due regard to the distinction between hostess and visitors, and Che Baochai and Xi Xiangyun seated themselves below. Madame Wang then came forward and presented with her own hands tea to old Lady Jia, while Li Kong Chai handed a cup to Mrs. Che. You'd better let those young sisters-in-law do the honors, remonstrate old Lady Jia, and sit over there so that we may be able to have a chat. Madame Wong at length sat on a small bench. Let our worthy seniors' viands, she cried, addressing herself to Lady Fong, be served here, and let a few more things be brought. Lady Fong acquiesced without delay, and she told the servant to cross over to their old mistress' quarters and to bid the matrons employed in that part of the household promptly go out and summon the waiting girls the various waiting maids arrived with all dispatch madame wang directed them to ask their young ladies round but after a protracted absence on the errand only two of the girls turned up tan chun and si tun yin chun was not in her state of health equal to the fatigue or able to put anything in her mouth. And Lin Dayu, superfluous to add, could only safely partake of five out of ten meals. So no one thought anything of their non-appearance. Presently, the eatables were brought, and the servants arranged them in their proper places on the table. Lady Fung took a napkin and wrapped a bundle of chopsticks in it. Venerable ancestor and you, Mrs. Cher, she smiled, standing a while below. There's no need of any yielding. Just you listen to me and I'll make things all right. Let's do as she wills, Olidija remarked to Mrs. Sher laughingly. Mrs. Sher signified her approval with a smile. So Lady Fung placed, in due course, four pairs of chopsticks on the table, the two pairs on the upper end for Dowager Lady Jar and Mrs. Xie, those on the two sides for Xie Baotai and Xi Xiangyun. Madame Wang, Li Gongchai, and a few others stood together below and watched the attendants serve the viands. Lady Feng first and foremost hastily asked for clean utensils and drew near the table to select some eatables for Bao Yu. Presently, the soup a la lotus leaves arrived. After old lady Jia had well scrutinized it, Madame Wang turned her head, and catching sight of Yu Chuan'er, she immediately commissioned her to take some over to Bao Yu. She can't carry it single-handed, demurred lady Feng, but by a strange coincidence, Ying Er then walked into the room along with Xi Er, and Bao Chai, knowing very well that they had already had their meal forthwith, said to Ying Er, Your master Secundus, Mr. Bao Yu, just asked that 
you should go and twist a few girdles for him. So you two might as well proceed together. Ying Er expressed her readiness and left the apartment in company with Yue Chun Er. How can you carry it so very hot as it is the whole way there? observed Ying Er. Don't distress yourself, rejoined Yue Chun, smiling. I know how to do it. Saying this, she directed a matron to come and place the soup, rice, and the rest of the eatables in the present box, and bidding her lay hold of it and follow them. The two girls sped on their way with empty hands and made straight for the entrance of the Yihong court. Here, Yue Chuan'er at length took the things herself and entered the room in company with Ying'er. The trio, Zhe Ren, Xie Yue, and Chiu Wen were at the time chatting and laughing with Bao Yu. But the moment they saw their two friends arrive, they speedily jumped to their feet. How is it, they exclaimed laughingly, that you two drop in just the nick of time? Have you come together? With these words on their lips, they descended to greet them. Yue Chuan took at once a seat on a small stool. Ying Er, however, did not presume to seat herself, and though Jiren was quick enough in moving a footstool for her, Ying Er did not still venture to sit down. Ying Er's arrival filled Bao Yu with intense delight, but as soon as he noticed Yu Chun Er, he recalled to memory her sister Jin Chun Er, and he felt wounded to the very heart, and overpowered with shame. And without troubling his mind about Ying Er, he addressed his remarks to Yu Chun Er. Zhe Yuan saw very well that Ying Er failed to attract his attention, and she began to fear lest she felt uncomfortable. And when she further realized that Ying Er herself would not take a seat, she drew her out of the room and repaired with her into the outer apartment where they had a chat over their tea. Xie Yue and her companions had, in the meantime, got the bowls and chopsticks ready and came to wait upon Bao Yu during his meal. But Bao Yu would not have anything to eat. Is your mother all right? He forthwith inquired of Yu Chun'er. An angry scowl crept over Yu Chun'er's face. She did not even look straight at Bao Yu. And only after a long pause was it that she at last uttered merely the words, All right, by way of reply. Bao Yu therefore found talking to her of little zest, but after a protracted silence, he felt impelled to again force a smile and to ask, who told you to bring these things over to me? The ladies, answered Yu Chunera. Bao Yu discerned the mournful expression which still beclouded her countenance, and he readily jumped at the conclusion that it must be entirely occasioned by the fate which had befallen Jin Chunera. But when fain to put on a meek and unassuming manner and endeavor to cheer her, he saw how little he could demean himself in the presence of so many people, and consequently he did his best and discovered the means of getting everyone out of the way. Afterwards, straining another smile, he plied her with all sorts of questions. Usually, it is true, did not at first choose to heed his advances. Yet, when she observed that Bao Yu did not put on any airs, 
and that in spite of all her querulous approaches, he still continued pleasant and agreeable. She felt disconcerted, and her features at last assumed a certain expression of cheerfulness. Pao Yu thereupon smiled. My dear girl, he said, as he gave way to entreaties, bring that soup and let me taste it. I've never been in the habit of feeding people, Yu Chenle replied. You better wait till the others return. You can have some then. I don't want you to feed me, laughed Pao Yu. It's because I can't move about that I appeal to you. Do let me have it. You'll then get back early and be able, when you've handed over the things, to have your meal. But were I to go on wasting your time, won't you feel upset from hunger? Should you be lazy to budge? Well then, I'll endure the pain and get down and fetch it myself. As he spoke, he tried to alight from bed. He strained every nerve and raised himself, but unable to stand the exertion, he burst out into groans. At the sight of his anguish, Yuchner had not the heart to refuse her help. Springing up, lie down, she cried. In what former existence did you commit such evil that your retribution in the present one is so apparent? Which of my eyes, however, can brook looking at you going on in that way? While taunting him, she again blurted out laughing and brought the soup over to him. My dear girl, smiled Pao Yu, if you want to show temper, better do so here. When you see our venerable senior and madam, my mother, you should be a little more even-tempered. For if you still behave like this, you at once get a scolding. Eat away, eat away, urged Yu Chuan'er. There's no need for you to be so sweet-mouthed and honey-tongued with me. I don't put any faith in such talk. So speaking, she pressed Pao Yu until he had two mouthfuls of soup. It isn't nice. It isn't nice, Pao Yu purposely exclaimed. Amitofo, ejaculated Yu Chunera. If this isn't nice, what's nice? There's no flavor about it at all, resumed Pao Yu. If you don't believe me, taste it, and you will find out for yourself. Yu Chunera, in a tantrum, actually put some of it to her lips. Well, laughed Pao Yu, it is nice. This exclamation eventually enabled Yu Chuan to see what Pao Yu was driving at. For Pao Yu had, in fact, been trying to beguile her to have a mouthful. As at one moment you say you don't want any, she forthwith observed, and now you say it is nice, I won't give you any. While Pao Yu returned her smiles, he kept on earnestly entreating her to let him have some. Yu Chunar, however, would still not give him any, and she at the same time called to the servants to fetch what there was for him to eat. But the instant the waiting maid put her foot into the room, the servants came quite unexpectedly to deliver a message. Two nurses, they said, have arrived from the household of Mr. Fu, Secundus, to present his compliments. They have now come to see you, Mr. Secundus. As soon as Bao Yu heard this report, he felt sure that they must be nurses sent over from the household of deputy subprefect Fu Shi. This Fu Shi had originally been a pupil of Zhao Zhen, and had indeed had to rely entirely upon the reputation enjoyed by the Jia family 
for the realization of his wishes. Zha Zheng had likewise treated him with such genuine regard, and so unlike any of his other pupils, that he, that is, Fu Xi, ever and anon dispatched inmates from his mansion to come and see him so as to keep up friendly relations. Bao Yu had at all times entertained and aversion for bow-faced men and unsophisticated women. So, why did he once more on this occasion issue directions that the two matrons should be introduced into his presence? There was, in fact, a reason for his action. It was simply that Bao Yu had come to learn that Fu Xi had a sister, Chu Fang by name, a girl as comely as a magnificent gem, and perfection itself, the report of outside people went, as much in intellect as in beauty. He had, it is true, not yet seen anything of her with his own eyes. But the sentiments which made him think of her and cherish her from a distance were characterized by such extreme sincerity that, dreading lest he should, by refusing to admit the matrons, reflect discredit upon Fu Chiu-Fang, he was prompted to lose no time in expressing a wish that they should be ushered in. This Fu Xi had really risen from the vulgar herd. So seeing that Chiu Fang possessed several traits of beauty and exceptional intellectual talents, Fu Xi arrived at the resolution of making his sister the means of joining relationship with the influential family of some honorable clan. And so unwilling was he to promise her lightly to any suitor that things were delayed up to this time. Therefore, Fu Chiu-Fang, though at present past her twentieth birthday, was not as yet engaged. But the various well-to-do families belonging to honorable clans looked down, on the other hand, on her poor and mean extraction, holding her in such light esteem as not to release the idea of making any offer for her hand. So, if Fu Xi cultivated intimate terms with the Jia household, he, needless to add, did so with an interested motive. The two matrons, deputed on the present errand, completely lacked, as it happened, all knowledge of the world. And the moment they heard that Bao Yu wished to see them, they went their steps inside. But no sooner had they inquired how he was, and passed a few remarks, than Yu Chunner, becoming conscious of the arrival of strangers, did not bandy words with Bao Yu, but stood with a plate of soup in her hands, engrossed in listening to the conversation. Bao Yu again was absorbed in speaking to the matrons, and while eating some rice, he stretched out his arm to get at the soup. But both his and her, that is, Yu Chunner's eyes, were riveted on the women, and as he thoughtlessly jerked out his hand with some violence, he struck the bow and turned it clean over. The soup fell over Bao Yu's hand, but it did not hurt Yu Chunner. She sustained, however, such a fright that she gave a start. How did this happen? She smilingly shouted with vehemence to the intense constellation of the waiting maids, who rushed up and clasped the bow. But notwithstanding that Bao Yu had scolded his own hand, he was quite unconscious of the accident, so much so that he assailed Yu Chunner with a heap of questions as to where she had been burnt, 
and whether it was sore or not. Yu Xuner and everyone present were highly amused. You yourself, observed Yu Xuner, have been scolded, and do you keep on asking about myself? At these words, Bao Yu became at last aware of the injury he had received. The servants rushed with all promptitude and cleared the mess. But Bao Yu was not inclined to touch any more food. He washed his hands, drank a cup of tea, and then exchanged a few further sentences with the two matrons. But subsequently the two women said goodbye and quitted the room. Ching Wen and some other girls saw them as far as the bridge, after which they retraced their steps. The two matrons perceived that there was no one about, and while proceeding on their way, they started a conversation. It isn't strange, smiled the one, if people say that this Bao Yu of theirs is handsome in appearance, but stupid as far as brains go. Nice enough a thing to look at, but not to put to one's lips. Rather idiotic, in fact, for he burns his own hand, and then he asks someone else whether she's sore or not. Now, isn't this being a regular fool? The last time I came, the other remarked, also smiling, I heard that many inmates of his family feel ill will against him. In real truth, he is a fool, for there he drips in the heavy downpour like a waterfowl, and instead of running to shelter himself, he reminds other people of the rain, and urges them to get quick out of the wet. Now, tell me, isn't this ridiculous, huh? Time and again, when no one is present, he cries to himself, then laughs to himself. When he sees a swallow, he instantly talks to it. When he espies a fish in the river, he forthwith speaks to it. At the sight of stars or the moon, if he doesn't groan and sigh, he mutters and mutters. Indeed, he hasn't the least bit of character, so much so that he even puts up with the temper shown by those low-bred maids. If he takes a fancy to a thing, it's nice enough even though it be a bit of threat. But as for waste, what does he mind? A thing may be worth a thousand or ten thousand pieces of money. He doesn't worry his mind in the least about it. While they talked, they reached the exterior of the garden, and they betook themselves back to their home, where we will leave them. As soon as Zhe for we will return to her, saw the women leave the room, she took Ying Er by the hand and led her in, and they asked Bao Yu what kind of girdle he wanted made. I was just now so bent upon talking, Bao Yu smiled to Ying Er, that I forgot all about you. I put you to the trouble of coming, not for anything else, but that you should also make me a few nets. Nets? To put what in? Ying Er inquired. Bao Yu, at this question, put on a smile. Don't concern yourself about what they are for, he replied. Just make me a few of each kind. Ying Er clapped her hand and laughed. Could this ever be done? She cried. If you want all that lot, why? They couldn't be finished in ten years' time. My dear girl smiled Bao Yu. Work at them for me, then whenever you are at leisure and have nothing better to do. How could you get through them all in a little time? 
Zhe Ren interposed smilingly. First, choose now, therefore, such as are most urgently needed, and make a couple of them. What about urgently needed? Ying Miao exclaimed. They are merely used for fans, sand pendants, and handkerchiefs. Nets for handkerchiefs will do all right, Pao Yu answered. What's the color of your handkerchief? inquired Ying Er. It's a deep red one, Pao Yu rejoined. For a deep red one, continued Ying Er, a black net will do very nicely, or one of dark green. Both these agree with the color. What goes well with brown? Bao Yu asked. Peach red goes well with brown, Inger added. That will make them look gaudy, Bao Yu observed. Yet with all their plainness, they should be somewhat gaudy. Leek green and willow yellow are what are most to my taste, Inger pursued. Yes, they will also do, Bao Yu retorted. But make one of peach red too, and then one of leek green. Of what design? Inga remarked. How many kinds of designs are there? Bao Yu said. There are the stick of incense, stools upset towards heaven, part of elephant's eyes, squares, chains, plume blossom, and willow leaves, Inga answered. What was the kind of design you made for Miss Tertia the other day? Bao Yu inquired. It was the bloom blossom with piled cores, Ingo explained in reply. Yes, that's nice, Bao Yu rejoined. As he uttered this remark, Jiren arrived with the cords. But no sooner were they brought than the matron cried from outside the window. Girls, your viands are ready. Go and have your meal, urged Bao Yu, and come back quick after you've had it. There are visitors here, Zhe Yun smiled, and how can I very well go? What makes you say so? Inga laughed, while adjusting the cords. It's only right and proper that you should go and have your food at once and then return. Hearing this, Zhe Yun and her companions went off, leaving behind only two youthful servant girls to answer the calls. Bao Yu watched Inga make the nets. But while keeping his eyes intent on her, he talked at the same time of one thing and then another, and next went on to ask her how far she was in her teens. Inga continued plaiting. I'm sixteen, she simultaneously rejoined. What was your original surname? Pao Yu added. It was Huang, answered Inga. That's just the thing, Pao Yu smiled. For in real truth, there's the Huang Ying Er, that is Oreo. My name at one time consisted of two characters, continued Ying Er. I was called Jing Ying, but Miss Bao Chai didn't like it, as it was difficult to pronounce, and only called me Ying Er. So now I've come to be known under that name. One can very well say that Cousin Bao Chai is fond of you, Bao Yu pursued. By and by, when she gets married, she's sure to take you along with her. Ying Er puckered up her lips and gave a significant smile. I've often told Zhe Ren, Bao Yu smiled, that I can't help wondering who will shortly be the lucky ones to win your mistress and yourself. 
you aren't aware, laughed Inger, that our young mistress possesses several qualities not to be found in a single person in this world. A face is a second consideration. Pao Yu noticed how captivating Inger's tone of voice was, how complacent she was, and how simpleton-like unaffected in her language and smiles. And he soon felt the warmest affection for her, and particularly so when she started the conversation about Bao Chai. Where do her qualities lie? he readily inquired. My dear girl, please tell me. If I tell you, said Inger, you must, on no account, let her know anything about it again. This goes without saying, smiled Bao Yu. But this answer was still on his lips when they overheard someone outside remark, How is it that everything is so quiet? Both gazed round to see who possibly it could be. They discovered, strange enough, no one else than Bao Chai herself. Bao Yu hastily offered her a seat. Bao Chai seated herself and then wanted to know what Inger was busy plotting. Inquiring the while, she approached her and scrutinized what she held in her hands, half of which had by this time been done. What's the fun of a thing like this, she said. Wouldn't it be preferable to plait a net and put the jade in it? This allusion suggested the idea to Bao Yu. Speedily clapping his hands, he smiled and exclaimed, Your idea is splendid, cousin. I'd forgotten all about it. The only thing is what color will suit it best. It will never do to use mixed colors, Bao Chai rejoined. Deep red will, on one hand, clash with the color, while yellow is not pleasing to the eye. And black, on the other hand, is too somber. But wait, I'll try and devise something. Bring the gold cord and use it with the black beaded cord, and if you twist one of each together and make a net with them, it will look very pretty. Upon hearing this, Bao Yu was immeasurably delighted. And time after time, he shouted to the servants to fetch the gold cord. But just at that moment, Jiren stepped in with two bowls of eatables. How very strange this is today, she said to Bao Yu. Why, a few minutes back, my mistress, your mother, sent someone to bring me two bowls of viands. The supply, replied Pao Yu, smiling, must have been so plentiful today that they've sent some to every one of you. It isn't that, continued Zhe Yun, for they were distinctly given to me by name. What's more, I wasn't bidden to go and knock my head. So this is indeed remarkable. If they are given to you, Pao Yu smiled, why, you had better go and eat them. What's there in this to fill you with conjectures? There's never been anything like this before, Chen added, so it makes me feel uneasy. Bao Chai compressed her lips. If this, she laughed, makes you felt uneasy, there will be by and by other things to make you far more uneasy. Chen realized that she implied something by her insinuations, as she knew from past experience that Bao Chai was not one given to lightly and contemptuously poking fun at people, and remembering the notions entertained by Madame Wang on the last occasion she had seen her, she dropped at once any further allusions to the subject, 
and brought the eatables up to Pao Yu for his inspection. I shall come and hold the court, she observed, as soon as I've rinsed my hands. This said, she immediately quitted the apartment. After her meal, she washed her hands and came inside to hold the go-carts for Ying Er to plait the net with. By this time, Bao Chai had been called away by a servant, dispatched by Xue Peng. But while Bao Yu was watching the net that was being made, he caught sight, at the moment least expected, of two servant girls, who came from the part of Madame Xing of the other mansion, to bring him a few kinds of fruits, and to inquire whether he was able to walk. If you can go about, they told him, our mistress desires you, Mr. Bao Yu, to cross over tomorrow and have a little distraction. Her ladyship really longs to see you. Where I able to walk, Pao Yu answered with alacrity, I would feel it my duty to go, and paid my respects to your mistress. Anyhow, the pain is better than before, so request your lady to allay her solicitude. As he bade them both sit down, he at the same time called Chiu Wen, take, he said to her, half of the fruits just received to Miss Lin as a present. Chiu Wen signified her obedience and was about to start on her errand when she heard Dai Yu talking in the court and Bao Yu eagerly shout out, request her to walk in at once. But should there be any further particulars which you, reader, might feel disposed to know, peruse the details given in the following chapter. End of section 21.